Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here as always by Chris Wesley. Chris, Christopher, what's up, man? I'm going to start calling you Christopher. That's totally fine. You know, um, that's my full name. That's my real name. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because when I meet people for the first time, the majority of them always default to Chris, even though pretty much in a lot of things, my name's written out as Christopher. And there have been like probably a handful of people who have just said, uh, who, who go with Christopher and it kind of takes me aback and they don't even like apologize and say, Oh, is it Chris or Christopher? You know, it's just like, they're calling me Christopher. And I'm like, I, I like that. I, I like that. And sometimes I've, I've tried before in the past to transform from Chris to Christopher, but it just never took. Um, but in the end, I really don't care. So uh, <laughs> I like how you tra- it's like you're transforming identity. It's like, I'm Chris yeah. today, but I'm Christopher tomorrow. It's like, oh, you're a whole different person now. Well, a lot of people go with that, you know, like, I don't know about you with, with John and Jonathan. Um, uh, were you always John as a little kid or did your parents call you Jonathan? And then one day you're like, I'm too big to be a Jonathan. I'm a John, you know, like, or, um, you know, uh, did you ever go through anything like that? No, because my name is just John. Like that's on my birth certificate, okay. John. There is no Jonathan. Oh, okay. Too, okay. So. Well, and, and I wonder with my sons because they're Matthew and Benjamin. And I know some people call him Ben or Matt, you know, um, actually my son, Matthew calls his brother, Ben. And, uh, you know, I know one day he'll, he'll be like, ah, I just want to be called Ben, or uh, maybe he wants to be called Benjamin. And I don't know, it's a name thing. That's, that's kind of where we go with that. But, uh, you know, sometimes it can create conflict and sometimes it's okay. And in fact, you know, uh, conflict can be okay. Right, John? I agree. We're very well, very good segue. Conflict can be okay. And I would say that we as church leaders probably don't do conflict well. Um, we kind of mm. shy away from it, don't we? And, uh, and I think that's problematic. It can be problematic because you know, things kind of can boil over if we just kind of hold in whatever's going on in outside of our hearts, inside of our minds, that at some point it's going to come out. And mm-hmm. when we hold it in for too long, it's going to come out in a not so positive way. Right, right. Definitely, definitely. And uh, that's something that happened to me. And uh, actually, um, what we're going to talk about is when you have conflict and not just with your coworkers, but with your pastor or when you disagree with your pastor. And uh, uh, just recently, um, a few weeks ago in the Marathon Youth Ministry newsletter, uh, I wrote a little article, When You Disagree With Your Pastor, and um, I rehash a story that I don't think um, I've shared before publicly, although it is something that I'm using over for, for a, a possible upcoming book. Um, but yeah, uh, it talks about a time where I had it out with uh, a pastor. And um, those of you who know me know that I've only worked for two pastors before. And I'll just give you kind of a clue. It's not my current pastor. This is my former pastor. So this is a story of when I called out Father White, uh, Michael White, author of Rebuilding, uh, Rebuilt and, and Rebuilt Fame and everything like that. And uh, actually, I don't mind sharing it because it doesn't put him in a bad light. It actually puts me in a very immature light. Um, but yeah, uh, sh- should I rehash the story, John? Do you think it's entertaining I- enough? Yes, I am so ready for this. Like, I was like, what's the story? Chris made himself look like an idiot. I want to hear this for sure. 
So uh, basically, um, it was it was like January of a new year. I'd been there a couple of years. Um, I think I'd been on staff for four or five years. And, um, you know, one of the things that Father White really enjoyed doing was sending out goals for the parish for himself to 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 the staff and just saying, these are goals that I have or dream. He didn't call them goals. He, he called them uh, wishes, wishes for the new year. And, um, and what had happened shortly before that, uh, before that email was sent out um, was, uh, I believe the, I believe my wife and I were expecting our first child. We were expecting Matthew. Um, and, you know, I think something we all go through when we're uh, expecting or new parents is how are we going to afford life, right? Like, how are we going to do all this, especially if you're in ministry? I was like, oh my gosh, here comes that moment where this could uh, be the moment that I stay in ministry or I have to leave ministry and get another job. And so I went to Father White and I said, you know, listen, I know that I shouldn't ask for money based on decisions I've made. Um, but, um, you know, I've worked here a number of years and, you know, I, I don't think I've asked for a raise before, but I would love, you know, for a raise. And, and his response was actually very encouraging. He's like, it's something that we've been talking about for the whole staff. You know, you guys have been really pouring out, working hard, and that's something that we want to, um, we want to build, um, build up and, and pay our staff well. So anyway, a couple of weeks go by. This was before the new year. A couple of weeks go by and he sends out these wishes and we're going to have the staff meeting to talk about vision planning and, and everything like that. But he sent out these wishes ahead of time. And he's like, here's a hundred wishes I have for 2000, whatever, you know, was the year. And staff salaries was not on it. And that I ignored all 100 other one of his wishes because the one that I thought he had explained to me was not on it was not on it and so we're in this staff meeting and we're talking about these wishes and different things and i'm just like holding on to it and i'm holding on to it and i'm holding on to it and in the most unopportune inappropriate way um when uh tom corcoran uh who's who's the associate to the pastor asked does anyone have any comments or thoughts on these wishes i said i do and i said I'm disappointed because we had a conversation and uh, you said that um, one thing that was important were staff salaries and I don't see any of that on these 100 wishes. So I took a private conversation and I made it public and all of my coworkers were sitting there and looking at it and I just said, and I'm saying this in a very calm voice, it didn't come out in a very calm voice because I'm a very emotional guy and he repeated, he looked at me in shock and just said, well, I can't believe you're this ungrateful and blah, blah, blah. And he just started, you know, calling me out. And I called back and I said, I'm ungrateful. I was like, we work our tails off here, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just not fair. And, you know, it, me, 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 me. And then there was just like this silence that was broken by Tom saying like, okay, let's go to lunch now guys. And, <laughs> and so as soon as like uh, that silence kind of emerged, that's where all the regret and guilt. And I just thought to myself, Oh crap, I'm going to get fired. I uh, forget a salary. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even have a job. And you know, this, this speaks to the Testament of father white. He came over and he was just kind of like, uh, um, 
just to kind of paraphrase that, that conversation, he's kind of, he's kind of like, you know, I don't know what's going on, but, um, you know, that was a private conversation that we had. I wish if you were upset by the list that I sent out that you had approached me in private and that we had had this conversation on the side, um, because it is something that's important to me, but I don't think it's appropriate to bring up in a staff retreat planning day. So that's why it wasn't in the email and that's why it's not there. And, you know, that's why, um, we're not going to discuss it like right now. Um, fortunately, uh, I got to keep my job and I did get a raise that summer. So, you know, uh, long, long story short, uh, don't take this as uh, call your boss out to get a raise. You know, it's definitely something that you have to uh, um, you have to earn in a different way. But, you know, it was one of those moments that I look back at and I'm like, you know, what? it's OK to have the reason I w- it was okay for me to have conflict, even though it was bad conflict, was because of something more important. And that's a foundation of trust that I had with my pastor, with, with Father Michael White. And right now at my current church with Monsignor Hillgardner, there's, we're building that trust now. And there are times where we disagree on things, but I know he is committed to me and to this church. And I hope that he sees the same thing. And so I think that's important when it comes to having conflict in that sort of relationship. I, Chris, so, I mean, it sounds like from your story, you, you got everything that you wanted by having this conflict. So why are we even talking about this? You, you, you kept your job, you got the raise. I mean, like what's going on here? This sounds like it was a perfect way of going about conflict. Well, you know, it's funny because I don't think we're all fortunate to have um, pastors or supervisors that would would accept that kind of immaturity, you know? And, uh, and that's not to say that um, there have been times where I've held back conflict or that um, my pastors have handled um, even healthy approaches or feedback in an, in an unhealthy way um, uh, or in, in, in not the best way, I guess I should say. Um, but as a coach and as a, uh, as a writer, um, one of the things I see a lot with my clients and I don't know, it's kind of like a pet peeve of mine is people who say, well, I'm not going to do that because my pastor's not going to go for it. Or I can't ask my pastor that because he's just not going to be a fan of it. Or, um, you know, I've asked him once and he said no. And uh, for me, that bothers me because I think we're, we're shortchanging ourselves or limiting ourselves in ways that are not necessary. We're jumping to conclusions uh, that... Um, uh, that handicap uh, the way that we do do ministry. And uh, if you can't have healthy conflict, um, then you're not going to be able to grow um, your ministry. You're not going to be able to grow as a leader. And so I think it's essential to be, uh, to learn how to approach your pastor when you want to ask something that might be outside of the box, or when you want to do something that involves risk or when you want to do something that maybe you actually deserve like a raise or clarity on a certain um, initiative or program. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I think I see a lot of youth ministers, DREs, uh, church workers who burn themselves out because they were just too afraid uh, to approach their pastor. Um, they were too afraid of what the reaction might be to something that they never approached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you, you wrote this article in terms of what you learned from that experience and, and how we go about dealing with a disagreement with the pastor and, and what the best way to do that. And so you already mentioned at first, talk about this idea of, 
of trust and relationship, right? That, that right. really, you know, we have to, we have to have positive relationships with those that we work with, especially our pastor. And so, and that takes time, obviously, you know? Uh, and, and so that's really kind of the, the first step, but what are some of the other recommendations or suggestions that you have that you learn from this experience, from that story that you told? Yeah. So you definitely, um, and I think this is a basic principle with anyone, not just your, your past, your supervisor is anytime you have criticism, do it privately, do it in a one-on-one setting. Um, definitely not in a public setting, anything you want to do publicly, make it positive, make it joyous, make it celebratory. Um, but I think the first thing is don't catch them off guard. Uh, you know, I, even as an, it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert, when someone comes into your office, when someone approaches you and delivers something that you need to process, and we're not even talking about something negative. We're just talking about like a decision to make. Uh, you're not setting them up for success. So if you walk in, ask them a question and expect them to give you an answer right away, uh, even if they can give you an answer right away, it might not be the best answer. And and that, that, that can be found in the Myers-Briggs, um, especially with uh, people who process aloud, like myself. You know, if you came in and asked me a question and I give you an answer, it's not necessarily the um, – uh, I might not be able to give you that answer right away because I'm processing it. Other people might give you an answer just because that's their knee jerk reaction. Uh, but, uh, but then they might come back and change their mind. So uh, if you have like something important that you want to share with your pastor, send them an email, um, you know, sw swing by their office and say, Hey, I'd love to set up some time to talk with you about a B or C uh, whatever that is. And, you know, um, and, and if you need to give them notes ahead of time, uh, then go for it. Uh, in fact, I have a coworker who does this really well where we'll set up a meeting and then he'll send me notes ahead of time and say, these are a couple of things for us to process that we're going to talk about at our meeting. And that's great because if I need time to process things, um, I'm going to be more prepared for that meeting. Um, and, and, and I'm going to be more willing and more comfortable to have a dialogue or a conversation about that. So I would say the first thing is don't catch them off guard. Don't just walk in and ask them something huge or big and expect uh, a response from them. Good. Now, now tell me a little bit about this idea that you have a, you have a disagreement with a, a pastor and I think we've all been there, right? You know, if, if we're really honest and sometimes it, most of the time it's just really small, you know, at what point, Chris, do you think that, you know, we should just swallow the disagreement and let it go versus bring it up. Because obviously you don't need to bring up every little thing, but you also shouldn't swallow every little thing. For you and your experience, what's that fine line? What does that look like in terms of swallowing and then, and then actually disagreeing and talking about it? Well, one of my favorite parables in the Bible is uh, the persistent widow to the point where the judge is like, you know, finally, fine, I'll, I'll respond to this, this uh, widow's request just so that she'll go away, you know, just so she'll stop nagging me. So, you know, that's my threshold. Um, no, I mean, in, in, <laughs> I mean, somewhat seriously, somewhat not. I don't know, John, like, I, I guess the question is, like, it de depends on how passionate, like, how passionate are you about that certain issue? You know, um, how much do you feel like this is the right thing to do? That, that's part of it. I think the other part of it too is um, not only like how, how passionate are you about it, but is this the battle that you're willing to take to the end? You know, like uh, uh, what's the phrase where, you know, um, basically, you know, don't get lost in the battle, think of the war. 
you know, in, in that regard. It's not that you're at war with your pastor, but, you know, pick and choose your battles so that um, you don't uh, erode away any trust or, or willingness in that. So I think, um, you know, it really comes down to the subject, but this is where I'd also say, try to educate your pastor on that. Try to educate your leaders on that. Um, if you disagree, if your pastor says no to something or disagrees with you and you know deep down in your heart that they're wrong, that they don't understand, that they don't get it, don't blame them. Instead, think of a way that you can educate them on that subject or go back and get data or information and, and bring it up in a way to, again, get your way, but just figure out different ways that you can to educate him um, and help him, you know, see it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's where God's maybe teaching us to have patience with that. I mean, has there been a time, John, you know, you, you, you've not only worked in the local parish, but you've worked for diocese, right? So um, what are ways that, that you've had conflicts with your superior, with your boss? And, and maybe was there ever a time where you had a specific issue that you tried to get across and, and kept hearing no, no, no? No, I've always agreed with my pastor or my boss. I mean, we've never had disagreements ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. No, there was one, you know, I really, you know, I, I like what you said about, you know, is it worth it or is it not? And, and willing to go to the end on that, because the reality is I, I have, you know, and, and I remember one, one particular circumstance really had to do around liturgy and, and how we go about doing liturgy uh, in, in the community. And I was pretty animate that, you know, because I know what the research says about, you know, people coming to church or not coming to church and, and, and the things that Pew Research says that was most important in liturgy is, is the sermon, is hospitality, and is music. Those, those three things often end up coming to the top. And so, you know, I started to make some, some headway on, on kind of the welcoming and hospitality piece, you know, but I knew we need to have some more emphasis and focus in some of the other areas. And, and there was just really, my problem is I'm impatient to your point. And, and I, I didn't want to wait to do it a year from now or to do two years from now, because I'm like, this is urgent. This is something we've got to take care of right away. And the, what happened in that process, it w wasn't well received. Uh, I had people in my camp, people were agreeing with me and were trying to support me. But what ended up happening is instead of kind of building a coalition uh, and working together to kind of come up with the solutions, it basically created a divide. Right. And it was uh, an us versus them. And my particular su uh, supervisor felt um, rightly so uh, he was feeling attacked. Uh, and that was totally on me. Right. You know, I was mm -hmm. so gun ho about it. And, and so like I wanted I wanted to make this happen that uh, unfortunately in the process, we lost a little bit of our trust. We lost a, a little bit of credibility uh, and our ability to work together. Um, uh, was harder. It, 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 it diminished basically. And so I have done it wrong more times than I've done it right. And that was an example for me where, where I tried, I tried to do what you said, I tried to collect the data. I tried to show what ended up happening, you know, but um, for all intents and purposes, I couldn't understand from his perspective. Uh, and, and I don't think he understood from my perspective and that was, and we clashed. So instead of kind of coming together, we clashed. And that leads us to really one of your points here in this that you wrote. So you already said, don't catch them off guard. So set up a meeting, but make them part of the solution. What do you mean by that? When you say, I want, I want my pastor to be part of the solution here. 
So th this is going to sound manipulative, but it's it's not. It, it really um, is not meant to be, and it's it's actually a great way. And this isn't just with pastors, but anyone who who's maybe on the other side. Like, so if you feel like that the way that you want to do it is the only way you can do it, and your pastor is saying no, uh, first you have to trust God that maybe God is having your pastor say no for a reason. And part of that might be timing. That's not that right time. But the other part, and I think it's the part that we look over the most is the fact that there's probably a better way. So there have been times, um, for example, one thing that um, I've heard no from, from, you know, my, my uh, both my pastors before in different seasons is when I'm like, I want to do a push for volunteers for youth ministry. And I'd like to do it this weekend or, or in this manner. And they've said no. And I've learned to say, okay, well, if I can't do that, and right now I'm sharing with you my number one obstacle to growing a healthy youth ministry is not having enough men and women. What are some suggestions that you might have that I could use? Or what are some things that you think, like what's a way that you would tackle this problem? Because right now I feel stuck in figuring out ways to recruit new men and women for ministry. And so what I've just shared with them is I'm at a roadblock. I don't have any other solutions and you have the wisdom to say, all right, your one idea is not, not the best idea. What are other ways that, like, I, I'm now asking you, like, what are other ways that, uh, that we can approach the subject or, or brainstorm that? And they might have an idea and they might not have an idea, but now what you've done is made them a part of the solution or at least in finding the solution. And they're going to think about that because they're not going to want to just say no to you and be cold and just say, like, deal with it they're going to want to help you figure out that problem if they want to keep you. Um, and so what you've just done is now recruited the most powerful person in your church uh, or the biggest voice or the person with the biggest platform, I should say, to now advocate and help you figure out a problem that, that, that you're solving. It's the same thing with the budget. If you want like a budget increase, right? Like, um, or you want to pay for an event and, and they're like, well, no, we can't do that. Or even if it's a raise, you know, you want to raise, you say like, okay, I just want to let you know that I'm struggling to figure out how to balance my work life. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to afford doing youth ministry. I'm trying to figure out how to do this, but I can't. Um, do you have any suggestions or things that I can do? You're going to create more compassion. You're going to create more empathy. You're going to create um, an ally in your situation. And Grant, you know, there are exceptions. There are times where the pastor is just going to be like, all right, deal with it. But I would say in my experience, not just personal, but even people I've talked to, the majority of the time, that's a turning point in the relationship that you have with your pastor where all of a sudden he's thinking, wow, she or he trusts me enough to be a part of this personal problem that they're facing. I find that to be true, that what you just said, uh, when I have had healthy disagreements and healthy conflict with whether it's my pastor or, or coworkers or colleagues, that um, usually the relationship is strengthened uh, mm -hmm. when we go through it. Because I, I do believe as much as I think we can be afraid of conflict and disagreement, I, I also do believe that people, pastor, ministers, are longing for healthy debate, healthy argument, healthy 
uh, disagreements. Um, and, and I think that's part of a healthy staff ministry culture is when you can do conflict and talk about disagreement in a healthy way. Um, and that's going to strengthen you. I think that's going to strengthen the team. I think that's going to strengthen the relationship. And in turn, will end up strengthening the ministry uh, at your parish or your diocese, wherever you happen to be working on. And so I have had more positive experiences of conflict, me, me bringing up conflict with others uh, and disagreements than I have had negative ones. Now, they've all been negative because my heart is always like, ah, do I want to talk about it, right? You know, and that's mm-hmm. not a positive feeling per se. But I found that when I am bold enough to go through and have that healthy conversation uh, on the back end after everything's done, I'm feeling good about it. And, and I've had because I've done it so many times now in almost 20 years of full-time ministry that I have become more comfortable in having those conversations. And I think that's real key that, that, you know, it's never going to be totally comfortable, but it does get easier, right? You know, and the more you do it and the more you see the good fruits that come out of good, healthy debate and conversations and disagreements, the more you're going to be willing to engage it and, and engage it in a healthy way. So I think that's really powerful. So you, so you said, don't catch them off guard. Obviously, build a relationship. Don't catch them off guard. Make them part of the solution. Now, what do you do? You're having this conversation for weeks, and they still say no. And yeah. they're, they're not interested in, in, you know, after being part of this entire process, they, they just don't disagree with your take on things. What do you do then? I, you just give up. Walk away. <laughs> start a band. No, uh, start a band. <laughs> yeah, start a band. Uh, no, you um, you take it to Facebook and you complain about it. <laughs> no, uh, no, we do not recommend that, ladies no, and gentlemen. We do not recommend that. Oh, please, please. That's uh, actually, actually, even if your pastor never comes across that, you can do more damage uh, than you think. Um, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But the best thing to do is bring it to prayer. Um, I had a coworker once. Uh, say anytime you have conflict with someone, pray that uh, God blesses them and ask God to mold your heart and change your heart. Because if you think about it, like I can't change you, John, right? I can't change my pastor. I can't change, you know, my kids, my wife. Uh, I, I just don't have that control over other people because of free will, right? But what I can ask is God to bless them. And we all know that someone who's blessed is, reacts in a way that is um, beneficial for everyone, right? Even if it does, asking for God to bless someone doesn't mean that they're going to bless them so much that they're going to be like, oh, you know what, Chris, you were completely right. Let me do what you wanted to do. But we all know that um, following someone who's blessed is a beneficial to everyone, including that person. So pray that your pastor is blessed and then ask God to just mold your heart uh, to be able to be patient, to be able to be uh, humble, um, to be obedient, uh, to, to the path that God has put in front of you. Because what God is telling you in that situation is, all right, whether your pastor is right or wrong on the situation, whether he's going to change his mind or not, what you've got to learn, what you've got to understand is how you're going to react to that situation. So if my pastor says no, I want him to be blessed. And what I'm going to ask God for is saying, okay, God, I've hit one wall of the sandbox that you've put me in you know, to, uh, to have fun where do I go next? Which way do I turn? What's the new direction? What's the new project? And it's in those moments too, where, you know, God might lead you out to a a different ministry, a new path, or he might again, carry you through that, that period where your pastor um, is going to say no until 
he says yes, um, or he's going to, God's going to introduce you into something new, but that only happens if you enter into prayer. And the first thing you pray for, um, is, is, is asking God to bless that person because that person is a child of God and that person is loved, um, by God. And so, um, I, and I think it's, uh, well said in, in, I think it's Psalm 32 where, um, we, we read that of asking God to bless others and, and to mold our heart. Um, in that direction. And so I think prayer is the best thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in contrast, and I mentioned this before, the worst thing you can do is to bring it up publicly and lament. And, you know, even I'm not against, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, John, I'm not against having a close knit, a close group of friends where you kind of just vent and say, you know, I'm really struggling with my pastor or I'm really struggling at work. Um, because of this, 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 and this, as long as that group's there to shape you and say like, all right, get over yourself and you know, trust in God. Um, I do have a problem when we take it to um, social media um, or other platforms and just tear someone apart. Um, and uh, and it, it's unfortunate because we end up blaming a person for something we can't control. Um, and uh, and maybe we can link this in the show notes. Uh, there's this uh, Brene Brown, uh, Dr. Brene Brown, who's this great speaker. She has this whole little video on blame. And, um, and what I love about it is she says, when we blame someone else, what we're doing is just avoiding ownership of the problem. You know, when I blame you, John, for my problems, um, even if you're connected to that problem, it's me just saying like, you know what? I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. I have no control over John. Um, I don't like how I don't have control over these other situations. And instead of taking control over my own life, I'm just going to blame everyone else. And that doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, and, and so that's, I think that's, that's a huge part of this whole uh, conflict, you know, especially with our pastors is we get upset and we get angry at them because we can't control their behavior when we're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I think there comes a point because they are your, they're the leader of the parish. They are your supervisor that, uh, that you, you tow the company line as the saying goes. So there comes a point that you say, okay, we have a disagreement. We haven't resolved it, but my job as a staff member, especially in public is to show a united front, a united face. And so regardless of whatever the disagreements are there, you know, in public, you all need to be on the same page, you know, with your pastor. And that's a really important thing. And I've seen more than a few people get themselves in trouble because they've decided to be public about a disagreement or a conflict between them and their leader, them and their pastor. Uh, and that's never healthy and it never ends well for you, really. Um, yeah. You know, not, not so much the pastor. And so so I'm, this is not about blind loyalty or anything like that, but you've had the conversation, you've, you've you've made them part of the solution um, and there was no resolve. There was no middle ground and that's fine. And sometimes that's the case. So at that point, yes, I agree. Pray for them, bless them, you know, ask God to mold your own heart uh, and, and then toe the line, right. And, and, and be united as a staff, as a team, when it comes to whatever the decision might be. Um, and that's hard for some of us. Um, you know, I, I think there is this, this, unhealthy culture in church of uh lay people versus the clergy 
right? You know, and 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 I'm not saying it's everywhere, but I, but there is this kind of this competition that's there, <clears throat> um, and and I think that can create some unhealthy. Uh, conflict and unnecessary conflict, quite honestly, because we, the lay people who are professionals in what we do, like pastors are not professional, clearly they are, right? You know, so, uh, but we've done all this research that, that we're right. Okay, you may be right. You also may be wrong, right? And, you know, what, even if you are right, it doesn't mean that you should blow up the entire system because of it. Now, I'm being extreme. I understand that. But, but I think we just need to name that, that, that there is that tension that's there for better or worse. Um, and we do. We need to take that to prayer. And that needs to be part of my heart being molded for, um, for the mission of God, really, when it comes down to and being able to work in the setting that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, a huge part of it too is what are you trying to achieve? If you're trying to be right, you know, right isn't necessarily the solution. You know, being right is not necessarily the solution. Uh, what you want is unity. What you want is to honor God. Um, and you could be right. You could be right, you know, 10 out of 10 times. Um, but that might not necessarily help the situation. And, uh, you know, I think it's a principle, again, that goes beyond just with our pastors, but, you know, with our loved ones, with our, our, our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors. Um, yeah, you know, for us, it's, it's about finding peace and unity and being able to move forward and honor uh, the direction that God is, is putting us on. And, um, and, and you know, it, the challenging part about this, about having conflict with your, your pastor, is that you're going to have to learn how to be okay with no. You're going to have to learn how to like, um, you know, face those obstacles and those challenges and reshift and adapt and change what's going on in your own heart and mind. And when you can surrender yourself to that, uh, what you're doing is you're surrendering yourself over to God's will. And when you can pray for God's will and surrender yourself over to God's will and accept the fact that God has put this pastor, ordained this leader in front of you, um, and that he is a representative of God and the church and that you're, you're trusting God and honoring God in that situation, God's going to bless you. And maybe not immediately in the way that you want to be blessed, but he's going to bless you in a way that, that um, is going to help you. And so I look at the over a million conflicts that I've had with my pastors <laughs> in the uh, you know 15 plus years that I've been doing youth ministry. And I know from each of those situations, um, I've learned so much from that. And I think, though, the number one thing, if, if there was a step moving forward, how to get better at conflict with your pastors, goes back to one of the first things I said, which is you've got to build a personal relationship with them. You know, um, I had a really good relationship with Father White. I have a, a growing and good relationship with Monsignor Hellegartner. Um, and, um, you know, I don't always agree with priests, but I admire um, where they are. I trust that God has them where they need to be. And I'm learning when I need to say, I disagree with you, but I love you. And I'm learning when to say, you know, what, whether I disagree with you or not, I'm going to honor your decision and move forward with that. And um, you can accuse me of being, uh, you know, towing the company line, like you're saying, John, but really, I think it's just by honoring our pastors and respecting them, it's a reflection of how we honor and respect God's will for our lives. Chris, one of the things I love about you is that you take your experience 
experiences and you reflect on them and evaluate and learn from them. And, and, and for those of you who aren't paying attention to what Chris is doing with the resources he has at Marathon Youth Ministry, I highly encourage you to go do it. It's this type of thoughtful reflection and practical application that he, he offers. So go check out MarathonYouthMinistry.com. See what he's got there. He's churning out con- content like a crazy person, you know, <laughs> all, all the, all to help you, you know, and, and me as leaders in the field of, of ministry and youth ministry. And so check it out. He has a lot of good resources on there. Subscribe to his newsletter because he's got content on there. That's not on his blog. So I'm doing your commercial for you, Chris, but I just, yeah, think, right. wow. It's sponsored I, by marathon. Youth ministry. Man, oh, I, yeah. I just think what you're doing is great. And, and I want people to be exposed to it. And that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast is, is to talk about these ideas, flush them out and, and, and point people to the resources. And, and we've got resources that, that you, Chris, and I do as well. And, and, and I want to point people to Marathon Youth Ministry because I just think there's a lot of good stuff there. So go to youthministry.com, marathonyouthministry.com today. Go check out what's going on. Subscribe to this newsletter too because there's great content there. Well, thanks. And, and I would also uh, uh, reciprocate that generosity by saying like, check out John's stuff at johnrinaldo.com, but especially Parish Success Group, because, um, you know, as much as in Marathon Youth Ministry, we like to work with the individual. Sometimes it's a huge staff overhaul that needs to take place and Parish Success Group is set up to do that and to equip people. And yeah, again, that's what we're trying to do with the church podcast here. You know, sometimes we'll talk about specific niches and, and programs and sometimes we'll talk about you know just basic professional development or self-care leadership because uh, that's what you guys need uh that's what we all need in order to do church better to do ministry better to to do this for the long haul so yeah no i appreciate uh i appreciate john you giving me the opportunity to relive that embarrassing moment uh, <laughs> well y'all uh, we all want to hear stories about how we have failed so maybe oh next episode i'll have to share another one of mine <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we'll have to talk about that time that you lost all the church's money and had to win it back in a rodeo contest. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, I won it back gambling sorry. at a Vegas casino. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. You put it all on, you, you put it all on green, didn't you? Yes, so, like, green, right? There's black, there's red, and there's green, right? So and, Yeah, there's and, two green numbers. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> just, that's why John's still in Vegas, folks. No, but anyway... <laughs> But um, no, this was good. This is good. Uh, so, um, you know, we want to talk about what you guys want to talk about. And if you ever have questions, send them our way. Questions at thechurchpodcast.org. You can find John at johnronaldo.com, Parish Success Group. I'm at marathonyouthministry.com. Um, and you can find us at LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Just uh, look for us in those places. But we love the work that you guys do. Uh, we're thankful uh, to be in the trenches with you all. And we thank you for listening to the church podcast. Uh, So John, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this time where we can talk about ministry, where we can talk about our failures, um, and we can talk about our hardships, yet at the same time glorify you, Lord, and honor you. Because we know in those moments of weakness, in those moments of uh, frustration, Lord, that we're not alone. Uh, We don't have to be alone because we can uh, be with you, Lord we can trust and lean in on you. And and so I pray that if anyone's facing a moment of conflict, uh, not knowing how to approach their pastor or their supervisor, Lord, that you give them strength, that their words be your words, that their love be your love, and that you continue to mold their heart and bless them, Lord. Bless them continuously, Lord, because we know when we're blessed, we're at our best. And, And God, thank you so much for this opportunity 
to, to lead your sheep, to spread your gospel, and uh, to be a child uh, of your great love. Lord, we love you in your name and pray.